My name is Penny Dreadful. Time is of the essence. There are some at the greatest state who know that their tampering with that which must not be tampered with has resulted in a near cataclysm. One that was partly caused and must now be averted by Barnabas Collins, Dr. Julia Hoffman, and Victoria Winters. Now they must prevent disaster and terror at Collinwood. Before we jump into this episode today, I have a few little tidbits for you. Dark Shadows, A Christmas Carol has come and gone, and boy, was it amazing. I will put a link to the permanently archived video on YouTube from Smartphone Theater in the show notes. So you can watch it anytime you want. Watch it every year. Watch it every day. I don't care. You just got to watch it. At least go watch it once because it's uh, fantastic. And stick around for the Q&A too. And uh, thank you to Ansel Farage for the awesome shout out as well uh, during the q and I really appreciate that, Ansel. Thank you. And talking about shout outs, uh, during this upcoming episode here with Mark B. Perry, um, I mentioned the Classic Horrors Club podcast, and I mistakenly referred to it as the Classic Horror Club podcast, singular. It's actually Classic Horrors Club podcast, plural. And I want to thank them for a couple of shout outs that they've given to Terror at Collinwood during their show. Uh, and thank you so much for that. It is a wonderful show. It's hosted by uh, Jeff Owens and Richard Chamberlain, and they talk about dark shadows and they talk about a variety of topics that are surely of interest to those listening to this podcast. They talk about uh, their most recent episode was Christopher Lee Christmas, uh, but they did Nashy November, all about Paul Nashy movies. That you know they'll take you know three movies or shows and examine them. They did a Thriller, Boris Karloff's Thriller. They did Satanic September. Race with the Devil was one of the movies they talked about with Lara Parker. Uh, so. Definitely check out the Classic Horrors Club podcast. It's awesome. Uh, I have subscribed to it. It's on my phone. Uh, Rob Sacconi was actually the one who brought it to my attention initially, and I've been uh, definitely diving into their back catalog. They're great. Uh, another wonderful classic horror podcast that I've mentioned many times on uh, Terror at Collinwood is, of course, Monster Kid Radio, hosted by Derek M. Cook. Uh, Rondo Award-winning podcast, super cool podcast, and Derek is a fan of all things classic horror. He's a fan of all things monsters, loves Dark Shadows, too. Uh, definitely check out um, the Monster Kid Radio podcast. I'll put links to these podcasts in the show notes. And one other podcast tidbit for you, uh, the Literary License podcast. You heard Tom Diamond in an episode of this podcast back in episode eight. Uh, he is a co-host on the Literary License podcast. And uh, in one of their recent episodes, uh, they did a tribute to Donald Briscoe, uh, and it was episode season five, episode 222, uh, and Tom interviewed Roger Davis, who was close friends with Don Briscoe and went to college with him, studied theater with him in college, and also uh, Mrs. Sean Randall, who was a uh, close friend of Don Briscoe's, and they actually dated at one point, um, so she gives some really interesting insights, um, and then uh, there's also a recording 
that Roger Davis was able to get from Bonnie Jenkins, who is Donald Briscoe's sister, and Don's niece, Marianne Grand, and his grandniece, Sarah Grand. So um, it is a whole tribute to Don Briscoe. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And one more thing, uh, and I promise we'll get to the show. Uh, if you go to YouTube, you can watch the video version of this episode. Uh, you can also watch the video version of episode 18, uh, which featured Catherine Lee Scott, Ansel Farage, and Richard Halpern. I've started uh, dabbling uh, in uh, in video versions of some of these episodes. Let me know what you think. Uh, do you want more video uh, versions of these episodes? I, I may just keep it for like special episodes, or I may offer my guests the option of a, of a video version. We'll we'll see. Uh, it's a it's an additional step, so we'll we'll see how how that goes. All right, folks, on with the show. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. I am your hostess, Danielle Galerter, a.k.a. Penny Dreadful, and oh, you're not going to believe who I have with me this evening. It's Dark Mark B. Perry, who is an award-winning television producer and writer. He's written and produced for the television series The Wonder Years, Law and Order, One Tree Hill, Brothers and Sisters, Pasadena, What About Brian, Windfall, Party of Five, its spinoff, Time of Your Life, and Ghost Whisperer, which my mom loves Ghost Whisperer, by the way. I just have to throw that out there. He was a writer and co-executive producer on the ABC series Revenge. As a writer-producer on the first season of Picket Fences, Mark shared an Emmy Award for Outstanding Dramatic Series, and for his writing and producing services for Party of Five, Mark shared a Golden Globe Award for Best Drama. He, of course, is also the writer and executive producer behind the hopefully soon-to-be-upcoming Dark Shadows Reincarnation. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood, Mark. I am thrilled to be here. So let's <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get let's do this. Let us do this thing. Okay. So I, I want to say, I want to preface this by saying, um, Mark, I'm sure you can't divulge too much information uh, about the show. Uh, I I mean, if I get yelled at for spoilers for a 55-year-old show, never mind an upcoming show, I'm sure that that would be uh, I, would, I would be in big trouble. So we're not going to do that. But I, I'm sure Mark's going to going to give us some tantalizing tidbits here for Dark Shadows reincarnation. And the first question I'm going to just throw out there, the question everyone is asking is, and when I was at Sea View Terrace, a lot of us were kind of chat chit chatting about this. Um, what is the current status of Dark Shadows reincarnation? Is there still hope for dark shadows reincarnation because ansel farage was on here he was he was definitely saying don't give up hope so tell us what is the hope for dark shadows reincarnation there is hope i promise you um we are not giving up on this right now it's the holidays so the town's a little sleepy um a lot of people are doing their development that they bought this year but we're still out there. And as I like to say, the show is undead. And uh, um, we just, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, we pitched to two major buyers. Um, and I would be thrilled to end up at either one of them. Um, and they are now reading the script over the holidays. Now, when I went out the previous round, a couple of years ago, whenever it was, when I was first selling, we pitched all over town. We sold it in the room at NBC. 
And then we sold it to the CW. So we were in a nice competitive situation for business reasons. We ended up going with the CW. And um, but now as a result, since they passed, I was able to retrofit the script and basically DCW it and make it more in line with the vision that I originally had for the show. And so now we have a script that we're all really happy with. And um, Amasia, who've been absolutely amazing. They're my producing partners on this. Mm-hmm. They, um, they have been steadfast in their support and their enthusiasm, as have uh, Tracy and Kathy Curtis, who I'm so humbled and honored that, you know, they have given me the blessing of the Dan Curtis estate. So we're out there. We're also we're talking to actors who we you know, we would love to attach somebody to play one of the like the lead character who's really the anchor of the ensemble, um, our Victoria Winters, if you will. So we're still we're making this happen. We're going to make this happen. It's It's got to happen. Otherwise, I've wasted too many years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another, it's it's it, it really has to, to happen. I mean, a lot of people are excited about this. And I want to I want to dive a little bit more into Dark Shadows reincarnation as we go along. But first, um, you know, I'd love to hear your background with uh, Dark Shadows. I, I heard you on uh, Ed Gross's Vampires and Slayers podcast, and you were talking a bit about that. And I'd love to hear, uh, you know, hear you talking about that and what else, you know, you can add to that. Because you are, I, I mean, I've seen you in interviews. I saw you in the Jonathan Frid documentary. I've read your interviews online. And I definitely sense that you are the right person for this because you are truly a fan like you are a hardcore fan yes tim burton and johnny depp claimed to be fans as well and they certainly may be fans in their own way i'm not denying that they are fans but i i'm not going to address that maybe tim burton if you're listening you want to come and defend that movie come on uh uh, i will give you the floor uh but uh mark tell us about your background with dark shadows okay um it all started when I was in third grade. I was walking through the living room of the house we were living in at the time. And my sister was watching our little black and white television. This was in April of 1967. And as I was walking through the room, I saw this man with a maniacal expression on his face, breaking the chains on a casket. And I stopped in my tracks and I said, what's this? And my sister said, oh, it's dark shadows. And I watched and the hand came up and grabbed Willie by the throat. And I was hooked from that moment forward. And this all fits in because I am, you know, I'm the cliche. I am a run home from schooler. Uh, And I was a monster kid. And I love that you referenced the whole monster kid thing on your show. Um, I introduced my friend Rick to Dark Shadows and he introduced me to Famous Monsters of Filmland. So that was a pretty good trade. Yeah. But Dark Shadows, for whatever reason, this eight-year-old kid, it really resonated with me. I mean, I knew I was different and there was something about the Barnabas story, you know, this man with a secret. It was really interesting. I mean, for me, I wasn't quite sure what it was all about, but there was just something that I connected with. And while the show was on the air, 
I kept a scrapbook. Oh, that is so cool. Oh my God. This is awesome. I kept this scrapbook. Wow. And what I, what I uh, lack in scrapbooking skills, I made up for with passion. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, and this has like every article from Tiger Beat magazine. Wow. It has uh, ads for House of Dark Shadows when it came out. On the back, it's got a bumper sticker from Night oh, of Oh, yes. That's so cool. Oh, so, I love that you okay. kept that. So, And then also in fourth grade, I wrote a Dark Shadows play that no. for reasons that escaped me to this day, my teacher um, allowed me to produce it in class. So I, I produced, directed and played Barnabas. Yes. Awesome. And I'd like to share with you the opening narration, if oh, I may. I would be honored. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dark were the shifting shadows that waxed and waned among the turrets and gables of the great house of Collinwood. Darker still were the shadows that deepened over the souls of those who dwelt within. Shadows of fear and evil and despair. <laughs> oh my God. I want I want to watch this play. We need to do a revival of it's of amazing this. that <laughs> it's amazing they didn't call child services or something. But so anyway. Um, so I wrote the play, we produced that, you know, I was just, I was a weird kid. I was a monster kid. Um, and as part of my pitch, when I was going out to pitch the show, um, I, I was like a carpet salesman because I would come in with this big flip book that I had put together where I photoshopped. I love to, to play with Photoshop. And so I put together a bunch of images. And um, so I have like, you know, of course, I have to talk about Barnabas. Oh, during the pitch. Nice. And um, I also talk about the movies and the fact that there were previous television revivals and why I believe that the television previous television revivals ultimately failed. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would just find images on the internet, you know, um, oh. that I, and originally the show was going to be called the reincarnations, but then it became reincarnation, which I liked better. But the reason I'm talking about this is I also show this because I also, I have to talk about why am I the guy to do this? And this, I used to say, I was a first generation dark shadows fan. This is actually here. This is a screen cap from a vampire movie I made when I was nine. Oh, I love it. Uh, when <laughs> my lifelong obsession with the show really got cemented. So flash forward to the 80s. And in 1986, my then wife and I, my former wife and I moved to Los Angeles to chase the dream. And we moved into this little one bedroom apartment and we didn't have jobs. We didn't have any money. We were counting change if we wanted to go see a movie. And uh, we were kind of afraid to go out and look for jobs. But uh, so the first week or so, we were just kind of hanging around the apartment and Dark Shadows was on uh, one of the UHF channels. And it was the Barnabas has Maggie. He's kidnapped her and she's in the basement of the old house and Sarah helps her escape. And my former wife, Casey, she uh, she had seen Dark Shadows when she was about six. She was younger than I am. But her mother ultimately made them stop watching it because it gave her brother nightmares. So she knew about the show, but she'd never really watched it. And she was only six. She got hooked and became a fan. So about this time. I, I I used to to try to feel like I was keeping my finger on the pulse of the industry. 
I would buy variety at the newsstand or the Hollywood reporter. And I remember reading that they announced, I think it was in October that they were bringing back Star Trek as a whole new series. And I thought, why hasn't somebody done that with dark shadows? And so naive fool that I was, I sat down and started writing, even though I, I, I didn't, pursue the rights. I didn't say, oh, I should get the rights to this. And I did an excavation into my basement and I found my file. Oh, wow. From Dark Shadows, The Return to Collinwood, which may sound familiar. (laughs) Um, And I wrote this entire treatment and I actually started writing the script. And I'm here to tell you, after everything that I've learned in this business, I'm glad this didn't happen because it's pretty terrible. Oh. Um, it, it, if you didn't know Dark Shadows, you would have no idea what's going on in this piece that I wrote. Oh, I see. So, OK. But anyway, so then I thought, well, I don't have the rights anyway. So I, why am I doing this? And so I sort of put it aside. And then the 91 revival happened a few years after that, which I enjoyed. And uh, but meanwhile, this was always in the back of my mind. I was working at Warner Brothers when they did their pilot that that ultimately didn't go. And I just it's always been in the back of my mind. And oh, I I should also mention uh, I'm really going down the rabbit hole here. But when uh, years ago in like 1995 or so, um, I was I was part of a stage musical production of Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I played the ruler of the universe. Awesome. And um, uh, but it was written the, the music and lyrics. It, it was it was a collaboration between David G. Smith who's wonderful and my uh, now husband, Mark Knowles. And um, we had so much fun doing this. And then he was really into musical theater and that sort of planted this idea in my mind. I thought, wow, wait, what about a big stage musical of Dark Shadows? Not not in the Ed Wood campy vein, not as a comedy, but I've always thought of the 1795 storyline as, as very operatic, Yeah, this tragic opera. And I thought, what a great musical that could make. Yeah. Um, and so my agent got me a meeting with the man who was running Dan Curtis's company. Was it Jim um, Pearson? No, it was, oh. his last name was, I think he's passed away. Um, okay. I, his last name was Kennedy. But anyway, I, the meeting was in Dan's office. Dan was not there. I was very disappointed. But the Barnabas Kane was leaning in the corner. And I no just kidding. I was like, can I touch that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that Dan Curtis had the Barnabas Kane in his office. That's so cool. <laughs> and so, so we had this meeting and I talked to him about this idea and he seemed intrigued. He said, you know, I wasn't the first person who'd come in to talk about doing a musical. Mm-hmm. And then shortly thereafter, they announced that they were doing a musical with uh, Rupert Holmes. Yeah. Uh, Mystery of Edwin Drood, I think it is. Um, but that fell apart, I heard, because he wouldn't fly and he wouldn't get on a plane and come to Los Angeles. I don't know I if it's true. But anyway, so I was always it's always been in my head. And then the Warner Brothers pilot came along and it didn't go. And I have my theories on why. Um, But I finally in like 2014, I think it was, I just I wrote my agent an email and I said, who owns the rights to Dark Shadows? I, I, I have an idea how I want to bring the show back. And it's, it's a whole long story. I won't go into it. It took forever 
for them to finally get me in the room with Amasia Entertainment. And they had the they had the rights at that time. And so I was finally able to get in there and pitch. And that's um, my very long version of my love for Dark Shadows. <laughs> what what, was this was the pitch before or after the Burton film? It was after the Burton film. Oh, I see. Okay. The pitch to Tracy was like, I want to say in 2019. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was pretty recent that I finally got in the room with them. Okay. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. how How did they react to the pitch? Well, here's the deal. So I had been all these years trying to do something with dark shadows, whether it was a musical or a play in fourth grade or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, what I did not know was that uh, Tracy Mercer, who is the senior VP for television at Amasia entertainment and is as big a geek as we, as we are. (laughs) um, And she's self-proclaimed. She, she is younger, but she was introduced to Dark Shadows by her father, and they would rent the VHS cassettes from Tower Records here in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. So she grew up watching that, and her father also introduced her to all the Universal monster movies and, awesome. and so forth. So she's, uh, she's like the perfect producing partner for this. Mm-hmm. She had been a producer on Madam Secretary, and she was friends with one of the editors on that show, a woman named Tracy Curtis. So there's two Tracys. This is the case of the two Tracys. Okay. Um, they became friends with Tracy Mercer, never connecting the fact that Tracy Curtis was Dan Curtis's daughter until it finally came up. And then Tracy Mercer geeked out and, you know, said, I love dark shadows. And <laughs> um, then they, decided that they wanted to do something to honor both of their fathers, Tracy Mercer, whose father had introduced her to Dark Shadows, and Tracy Curtis, whose father had obviously created Dark Shadows. And they said, well, whatever we do, we have to find a real fan of the show. We can't just bring somebody in and say, hey, do Dark Shadows. We have to find a real fan of the show. So meanwhile, I'm out chasing the rights. I'd never heard of Tracy Mercer, um, you know, or Amasia. And finally, I get in and I walk in and I meet Tracy. I instantly liked her. I had my carpet sample book, you know, with my, (laughs) my book with my pictures. And I started pitching. And the original version of the pitch was about, it was way too long. It was 35, 40 minutes. I mean, I threw everything in. She never looked away. She applauded a couple of times. She laughed, she squeed and she was really into it. And so the, at that time though, there the, the Burton specter was still looming over everything. Yes. (laughs) And so Warner brothers had first refusal on any other versions of dark shadows at the time. Okay. So uh, that became a, a, they had to negotiate a deal um, with, for that before I could pitch to anybody. So a few weeks went by, but Tracy remained enthusiastic. And then she finally set up a meeting for me to come in and uh, pitch to her team at Amasia and Tracy Curtis. So I knew the stakes were very high for this particular pitch. And um, I went in and 
I did my little song and dance with my flip book and my pitch. Yeah. And um, Tracy Mercer was very, I mean, Tracy Curtis was very quiet through the pitch and was just sort of looking. And I thought, oh, dear, oh, no, we don't know. Oh, please tell me I'm connecting. <laughs> and so when it was all over with, um, and, and meanwhile, the Amasia team was applauding and laughing where they were supposed to laugh and gasping where they were supposed to gasp. And finally, Tracy Mercer said to Tracy Curtis, she said, Tracy, you're very quiet. And Tracy Curtis said, I'm feeling very emotional. And she said, I think my dad would love this. And I, I, I could not believe my good fortune. I thought I have the blessing. And, and now they, they have been incredibly supportive and um, as has Amasia. And like I said earlier, we're, we're just committed to making this happen. Awesome. So I don't know if I answered your question because oh, I want. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that no, that was wonderful. I I appreciate you sharing that information, and that's a ringing endorsement for sure uh, for Tracy Curtis to to get emotional and say that her dad would love that, you know, because Dan Curtis's daughters were. I think, you know, he would listen to them sometimes. Of course, famously, we know that they wanted him to make the show scary. So he he went there with that. So they were an influence in that regard. But they I, I've heard that they would sometimes, you know, tell him which characters they like and which characters were not <laughs> as cool or whatever. You know, so I'm sure he listened to their feedback because, of course, Dark Shadows was immensely popular with with kids, you know, so um, uh, it's definitely a ringing endorsement in that regard. Now, I want to ask you um, before we talk a little bit about about the the CW and, and some of that. Um, why the next generation approach? Now, I love that you're doing a next generation version of Dark Shadows. I've always felt that that would be the way to go. Um, and we've seen a little bit of that with like the Big Finish audios have done that with with some. Pros and cons, I would say. There are some excellent ones and some maybe that are a little weaker. Uh, but um, then you have the Laura Parker novels uh, that are also sequels. There is the Dynamite comic book series, which is also a sequel to Dark Shadows, all officially licensed products. Okay. I don't consider them canon to the main timeline. You know, luckily Dark Shadows introduced parallel time so we, into the show. So they're all parallel universes to me. They all are legit parallel universes like the Ross novels, you know, but this is the first time we're really like for a TV show. Cause they, it's always been remake from, from the 91 series, which I also enjoyed uh, to the 2004 pilot to some extent with the Burton film as well. It's always kind of a retelling. So why the next generation approach here? Simple answer is as a hardcore fan of the show, I want more dark shadows. Yes. Um, and the other side of that is, yes, the other previous attempts have been to retell the same story with the same characters. Victoria arrives at Collinwood, Barnabas is released from the coffin, et cetera, and so forth. Um, and I think you had made the point on a previous episode of your show that I have always agreed with, which is, Starting the show with Barnabas does not give you a chance to know the world, the characters, and how Barnabas is a complication for that world. <laughs> so um, I just think I've seen the story done. Any any other attempt to redo it is going to suffer from comparison. Yeah. 
And, you know, Dark Shadows fans are what they are. They are fans. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, I just truly I want to know what's going on in Collinsport and at Collinwood in the 2020s. Yeah. And I'm so interested. And I want to tell new stories with new characters. Some of the original old characters, for example, will definitely be a part of this world. And I just want to build on the mythology that's been established in those amazing years between 1966 and 71 mm-hmm. and say, let's drop in. And who's, you know, we can revisit those storylines as we go forward. The, it, it's dark shadows. Anything can happen. Yeah, that's that is such a great point, because there's so much mythology that you can pull from that exists in the original five-year run of Dark Shadows. There are dangling plot threads that were never resolved. And there were storylines that were hugely important to the show that could have a ripple effect into the present day. Of course, you know, we're dealing with supernatural beings that are can return to to haunt the present or have done something in the past that could affect the present. Um, There's also so much time travel in Dark Shadows that there's so there are so many strange things that happen during the show that could have an effect in the present day. And of course, Collinsport has always been a beacon for the supernatural. It's this isolated town in Maine that seems to, you know, Kathy Rush was on uh, the last show and we talked about the Hellmouth idea from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's kind of like that. And I do wish that Buffy had referenced Collinsport or something as another Hellmouth. I think that would have been a good right. nod to Dark right. Shadows, you know. Um, but um, I think it's an excellent way to pull that in. And now you mentioned other, uh, you know, classic characters, would you uh, consider approaching actors from the original show who are still with us to reprise their roles or would it be a recast situation or? Uh, No, I'm absolutely, I want to, uh, I I want the show to have as much legitimacy as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those characters would not necessarily logically fit into this world, but that's not to say that you can't have uh, cameo appearances by, you know, certain actors. And, you know, I, I definitely, it, ultimately, I would love to find a way to use everybody. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, going forward, I, I, who knows what, what's actually going to happen. But yes, I, I, I think that's important to make this really feel like it is a legitimate continuation of the Dark Shadows legacy. Wonderful. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I'm not trying to fill Dan Curtis's shoes. I'm not that cocky, so, but, but I do want to just, I want to bring it in. I want to bring the show to a contemporary audience. And I, the one thing I will say about the Burton film which I think I'm on record as not being a fan of, uh, is that I do know that it inspired some people to go and check out the original that series and they became fans. And that's that. And some of Danny Elfman's music that paid tribute to Bob Covert. I'll, I'll, I'll give them that, but agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I, wanna, I just want to do the show for a new generation but one that the fans will like as well. And I know there are some fans who said they won't watch it just because, you know, there's, it will never compare to the original. 
But I'm not trying to do the original. So. Well, they say that, but you know what? They're totally going to watch it. So. Yeah, watch it. <laughs> of course, they'll watch it. Um, you know, another interesting thing uh, that to consider is that we left the Collins family in 1971, and now we'd be returning to it. There's 50 years in between. Would you, are, is there any thought about kind of filling in the blanks during that 50-year period, like oh, yes. going to revisit? Oh, yes. In fact, one of the uh, in the pilot, one of the, the main uh, scary stories in the pilot is actually rooted in something that happened in the nineties. Cool. So, and what's fun is think about it in 1967 or 68 or whatever, they time traveled back to 1795. And then later they time traveled back to 1897. Well, 1897 wasn't that much longer ago than 55 years. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And I'm traveling to the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s even is still like really cool, fun. Oh, because that's the other thing. I always have loved time travel stories. Yeah. And it's it's going to play a big part in the reincarnation series. Awesome. Well, there's, there's so much time travel in Dark Shadows. I mean, it just... It started after 1795. I mean, and then it just that opened up that whole can of worms and you just had 1897, you had 1840, you had 1995 to the future and then parallel time. I mean, uh, and I always kind of felt that all the time travel. In fact, the little opening uh, narration I did for this episode has to do with the time travel screwing up the timeline. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, of course, the original Dark Shadows, I mean, it was, they were creating that show at breakneck speed. It was spontaneity in action. So there were a lot of continuity errors in terms of the timelines and fans like myself very nerdily try to like, I love, you know, trying to figure out like, how does this work in Canon? You know, why is, why is, does this not line up? And my theory has always been that all the time travel and Quentin's staircase and the time and uh, all of this, like must (laughs) have done some damage to the, to the timeline. Do you have thoughts on, on that and like addressing the time travel inconsistencies? Well, there's, there's a lot of, um, one of the things I'm trying to do is when I'm, when I'm thinking of a story that I want to tell in a new series, I I have to do some retconning, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to like see. And and so this is kind of what you're talking about, Uh And but you're right. I think, you know, somebody went back in time at some point and, and changed the year of Naomi Collins death from 1830 something or whatever it was in the original mausoleum to, you know, suddenly the whole family, except for Joshua died in 1795. Um, But yes, I, I, that is that is definitely a part of what I'm doing with I want to if I can make it work with the original timeline and what was established on the show, I want to do that. But I, I was going to talk about this a little later, but I'm, I, I know you like to talk about what favorite storylines are. Yes, I was going to I was I assume it's 1795 because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is 1795 followed by the introduction of Barnabas. Yes. Excellent choices. And um, those are my two favorites. Now, I'm also partial to 1970 parallel time that Ooh. doesn't get a lot of love. I agree. I love 1970 but, um, parallel time. What's his yep. name? Who's the ghost? Damon? Is it Damien Damon? Edwards? Damien Damon Edwards. Edwards. He's the <laughs> most styling ghost in the history of, <laughs> totally. of our chat. He totally is. Somebody needs to call. If you send in your Damien Edwards cosplay pictures, I will post them on my blog. <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent. That is excellent. 
Um, so anyway, but and I, I love the whole uh, Rebecca meets Dead Ringer and you know Hoffman killing herself. Oh yes! Oh, I <laughs> it love was, it. I it was bonkers. <laughs> Plus the fashions were to die for oh, in that whole sequence. Oh, look at John Yeager was the most style in Mr. Hyde too. <laughs> yeah, they just embraced the whole aesthetic of the period. It was fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, but back to 1795. Mm-hmm. And and this is the continuity thing. I, I am making a, a greater point here. Uh, just going down a bunch of side roads. Um, I recently sat down and rewatched 1795, mm-hmm. starting from Victoria's arrival at the old house and meeting Barnabas through to Barnabas going into the coffin and Victoria being hanged for witchcraft mm-hmm. before she returns to 1967, even though I think it's actually 1968 at that point. And then I did something different. I then went back and started at episode 210. The Barnabas who comes out of the coffin in 1967 is not the Barnabas who goes in in 1795. Mm -hmm. That whole exercise was in humanizing him, playing to what Jonathan Frid did so well. But when he comes out, and my theory about this is you spend 170 something years in a coffin and see if you aren't pissed off when you come out. A lot, a lot of people have suggested that as well, that he's yeah. just, yeah. you know, he's trapped in the coffin for that long. I mean, and yeah. being bloodthirsty, you know, hungering for blood must have driven him to. To want revenge and yeah. to say, you know, if I, if I have to embrace this and I, and, mm-hmm. You know, there he even says in one of the scenes with his father about, you know, he has he he also has this will to survive. Mm-hmm. And the will to survive also means that he has to prey upon people. Sure. So, you know, he's become this monster. But it was fascinating to see him come out. And then, you know, I've worked on so many TV series where I've been in the writer's room, and but we've had the leisure of time that they did not have on Dark Shadows. And, you know, if somebody came in and said, hey, what if we do this with Barnabas? You know, they I think there was to a degree, I think they thought, well, nobody's going to rewatch these ever. They're not going to remember what we did. Never mind that the fans outside the studio knew exactly what they had done. (laughs) Yes. So um, but I do want to find ways to any of those inconsistencies. I want to try to embrace them. And if not, I'm going to, and I quote, I I can't remember the quote exactly, but Julia Hoffman has that great quote about the family history, not being the most reliable. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which is a great quote because it's, it's totally true. Um, I think it was the writers also winking at the audience in a way. It's like, Hey, we know this. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, Do you feel that, um, Uh, Let me ask you this, um, the tone of Dark Shadows. Now, one thing that always kind of gets to me is when people oh, it's campy. Dark Shadows is so camp. And I don't ever, I have never seen Dark Shadows as campy per se. I think of it in the same vein that I think of like the Universal monster movies or the Hammer films or the, especially the Corman uh, Poe films with Vincent Price. It's gothic horror. It's that sort of heightened emotion at play. Um, I don't know. What do you, What is your take on the tone of Dark Shadows? Well, I think that the tone of the original series and even the 91 revival, um, I don't know that they would work for a contemporary audience right mm-hmm. now. 
That's not to say that I've, I'm not embracing the absolute spirit of Dark Shadows, but, you know, they, it, the show could be melodramatic. It could be a little over the top at times. Um, and I think it's the tone for me is more about the world and the atmosphere and the types of uh, characters that exist, the creatures, the monsters that exist yeah. in this world and this reality. And it's to me, it's a very specific sort of Dan Curtis universe. Sure. And going forward, that's what I really want to embrace. And, you know, we talk about Star Trek The Next Generation. It's like, why, instead of remaking the old show, why not? expand the dark shadows mythology to create an entire unique universe the way the people who've been entrusted with star trek by the gene roddenberry estate have done mm -hmm. yeah and so that's you know when we talk about tone and mood and look and all of that you know i in my my fantasy we're going to recreate collinwood Awesome. And it's going to be it's going to be a more filmic version of those. Um, I, I would love to just hand a set designer, Ty, Cy Thomasoff's drawings, which I bought a set of online mm -hmm. and say, make these even bigger, you know, <laughs> you know, because we're going to have, you know, we'll have sound stages and let's let the entry foyer be a proper entry, entry foyer. And yeah. And I used to sit and, and draw the doors to the drawing room, you know, with those panels. Oh, and the wood paneling. When yeah. I was a kid, you know, and I, was, <laughs> I, I, and I want to pay tribute to all that. And I want it, I want it to feel like we're back in that world, but it's 2020 two or 23 or whatever. Right, right. Oh, I, you, you've triggered so many questions that I want to ask you. Um, <laughs> it, uh, I, I want to say, you know, the, uh, when you talk about the tone of dark, do you mean in terms of like gothic horror or gothic romance, gothic horror not being as uh, much in the sort of zeitgeist right now? Or it, I know there's like more of a kind of a trend. There is always genre film and television clearly, but um, you mean more of it like a trend toward realism these days or, or is it? Yes. I want it to be realistic, but I also want it to be windswept cliffs and yes. Collinwood overlooking the sea and oh. all of the elements that make Gothic. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the other things that I stress in the pitch is that this isn't just a Gothic horror show. It's a Gothic romance show. Yes. And it's a contemporary blend of the two mm -hmm. that Dark Shadows started as a gothic romance show. Yeah. Yep. And, and that was when it was really in its soap mode. And then it be gradually became more gothic horror or, as you like to say, terror. And I agree with yeah. you on yes. that. Yes. Yep. Um, excuse me. Um so I, I just derailed myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just yeah, I would just met in terms of like contemporary tastes, you know, there I, I know I know what you what you mean uh, in terms of, you know, uh, of that. And I also find that it's difficult sometimes I, I went as you, you had commented to me before on my my rant that I uh, that I did about about Dark Shadows kind of it. Need, Dark Shadows was 
a phenomenon in the 60s and early 70s. It was a massive thing uh, in the pop culture zeitgeist. And then I think when syndication happened, I mean, Dan Curtis was brilliant to actually syndicate the show in the 1975, but not everybody saw it because it was a big commitment for TV stations to run that show. So a lot of people, you know, millennials, Gen X, et cetera, a lot of them don't know what Dark Shadows is or they're aware of it, but they don't. Have you found any anything like that in your in the entertainment industry in terms of like approaching people about dark shadows? Uh, are they aware of it or is it something where they're dismissive of it or accepting of it? What are your thoughts on that? It's a little bit of everything. I've, I've, uh, I've pitched to run home from schoolers like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have also on at least two occasions, and I'm not mentioning any names or networks or anything, but we were ultimately passed on because of the Tim Burton movie. Oh, no. Because it had sort of poisoned the water. Thanks for nothing, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, that said, there's a lot of their work that I do like. Mm -hmm. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Yes, agreed. I do like a lot of their work, but this was not one of them. Um, So... And then there are younger executives who have heard of it. Maybe they've heard of the the film. There was uh, one whose father, not just Tracy Mercer, but one whose father had introduced her to the show growing up. So it's kind of all over the map. But what I stress in my pitch is this is a my pitch is basically a crash course on Dark Shadows, why it matters and why it should come back. And the pilot is written in such a way that even if you don't know Dark Shadows, never heard of it, the pilot is written in a way that you don't have to. I don't I don't don't enjoy like I I don't like watching something where I feel like, oh, I should have read the book, you know, or I I should have done my homework before I watch this. I'm, I'm really trying to make this show completely fresh and accessible, even to people who've never heard of it. Yeah. And that's how we have an outsider coming into this world, just like Victoria Winters did, and and bringing us into this strange, isolated mansion in Collinsport, Maine. So, um, but I want to go back to one thing we're talking about the tone earlier. I, I think what I meant specifically is there was a there was kind of an almost arch acting style at times, and and I love all the actors in the show. <laughs> Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it was a little, it did get a little arch. And I think that they played into that as well in the 91 revival, which I also like, but for a modern audience, I'm just not sure that that style would work. I would, I, I fear that it would feel dated and that people might think we were being campy. Right. Right. I go back to, and I agree with you. Dark shadows is not campy. It's what I've, what I've, said time and again is when you look past the bloopers and you look past the special effects dark shadows is really great gothic horror gothic romance storytelling it is it is yeah and it's about the characters and that's the other reason to go back to an earlier thing we were talking about why me is i'm primarily known as a character writer i mean most of my I mean, how do you how do you go from the wonder years and party of five yeah. to dark shadows and so that's why i tell the story of why i've been a fan and i'm you know i love scary movies i don't like 
uh, slasher films, but I like Neither. scary yeah. movies. Yeah, I'm not into the blood and gore, but I love a good scary, uh, like The Others or The oh, Conjuring. Yes, you know, totally. Those those are are faves. But horror, as you know, it only works if you care about the characters and what's happening to them. Hundred percent. Otherwise, yes. yep. why tell the story? So that's why I think you know that if I bring that sensibility along with my love of of these scary stories and my absolute passion for dark shadows, kind of I I, I think I can handle it. Yeah. I think I can handle. I know. It. I I have I have full faith. And I mean, and dark shadows is. I mean, the char- uh, the dark shadows characters are so strong. I mean, they they the pe- people love the dark shadows. It is a it very much. It's a character driven show. There's so you get invested in these characters, and that's I think a big reason why people got hooked on the show. And the 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 spooky stuff was great too. You know that it was that combination of factors. But you had these actors like Jonathan Frid and David Selby, Lara Parker, uh, you know, Thayer David, Grayson Hall. You know, such compelling, unique people to watch on screen, and they're just their their characters were so complex. That's the thing with Dark Shadows; it was never characters like Barnabas and Angelique and Quentin because it was such a sustained ongoing serialized story you could see all of the nuances in those characters it wasn't just good and evil there were a lot of gray there's a lot of gray area there with all of those characters you know and it's really fascinating to to watch that um speaking of prominent and very memorable and beloved dark shadows characters Victoria Winters um i've read your this is not spoilers, I guess, because you've already put this out there, but the protagonist of the show is the daughter of Victoria Winters, I believe. Talk, can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, I can talk a little bit about that. And and forgive me if occasionally I do say, you know, well, I can't really go there. Absolutely. Totally understood. um, (laughs) uh, So Victoria, yes, the, the, our lead character, and this is no spoiler because this, Mm. this is like the first minute of the pilot is, is we meet this young woman. Her name is Tori, which is short for Victoria. And she grew up believing she was named um, after her mother's friend, who was, who was Victoria. And she called her aunt Vicky Mm -hmm. and Victoria would show up unannounced for a day or so, and then disappear for long periods of time. (laughs) And, but, but little Tori felt a strong connection to her. Well, in the beginning of the pilot, Victoria Winters has been declared legally dead because she's been missing for a number of years. And that is when our Tori discovers two life-altering truths that she did not know before. She grew up believing that she was adopted and she was a safe haven baby. She'd been abandoned. And she finds out that her mother, her biological mother, was her Aunt Vicky, and that her Aunt Vicky was a Collins because she was the daughter of the matriarch of the Collins family, Elizabeth's daughter. And she also finds out that she has now inherited half of the estate of Collinwood. Wow. Wow. And so her journey is she goes to Collinsport, to Collinwood, to meet her newfound family and to try to find out what happened to her mother Mm -hmm. and to try to find who her father is as well. So she has an emotional investment and yes, it is, it's, it's not a wink. It's a hammer (laughs) 
to um, uh, the Victoria Winter story, yeah, which I always found very compelling. When I finally got to see the entire series, I loved those early episodes. Sure, and I loved Victoria's going there and wanting to find out, and you know, getting a clue here and there. And I understand why they ultimately kind of got away from it because the show just went full on supernatural and, mm-hmm. um, and, and Alexander left the show and so forth and so on. But I've always been intrigued by that. I've always been intrigued by the fact that Victoria was yanked around in time. And, um, so, uh, I think I answered your question. Well, I, I, you did, but I raised a couple more questions. Um, <laughs> one is super geeky. Um, so spoiler warning <laughs> before, during the Leviathan storyline, Victoria Winters is revealed to have been murdered or killed by Jeb Hawks and pushed over Widow's Hill in the 18th. Cause she, of course she went back into the 18th century, you know, what she went back into the past with Peter. And so Jeb is haunted by the spirit that turns out to be Peter Bradford's ghost with a noose around his neck. And he is after Jeb because Jeb was responsible for Vicky's going over Widow's Hill. And then Peter killed Jeb, pushed Jeb over Widow's Hill and he was hanged as well. Now, while this is sort of, uh, you know, a little, I guess, a little known subplot in the show that lasted for a few episodes, uh, it, it did have, I mean, they did talk about it in the show. Is this something that would be addressed or is it, are you is this kind of a retcon situation? Well, to me, Victoria Winters was hanged for witchcraft in 1795 and time traveled back to the exact moment she had left her own time. Uh-huh. Did they find her body at the bottom of Widow's Hill? Was there ever any mention no, of that? That's true. Yeah. Say that she didn't go over that cliff and wake up somewhere Ooh. sometime else. Oh, I love it. <laughs> awesome. Of course. Absolutely. Hey, so, and it's dark shadows. So absolutely. That could totally happen. She, she is time. She is a time displaced person, you know, so I call her a temporal vagabond. Ooh, I love it. Temporal <laughs> vagabond. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. Uh, awesome. The other question that came to mind is you're, you're talking about meeting the present day Collins family. So David and Carolyn, I mean, they're, are they in the picture anywhere or is that a, too big a spoiler? Um, it's a pretty big spoiler. Okay. But I mean, are they in the picture somewhere? I can answer that and say, of course they are, because <laughs> they are part of the Collins legacy and heritage. Okay. But I really don't want to. That's an area I really don't okay. want to go into because I it, 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 I don't want to give too much away. OK, OK. Understood. Understood. OK, so now you had uh, the show uh, at the CW. OK, the CW was going to, to do Dark Shadows reincarnation. Um, and I. I I have to admit, I have mixed feelings because uh, there are a lot of CW shows. I, I love, I haven't been watching it in a while, but I loved all their superhero shows. I was watching like the flash and Supergirl and stuff. Um, but I always felt there's definitely skewed to a specific demographic, like young, young, young people, you know, and which is great. But um, I heard you on Ed Gross's podcast talking about how they like, you know, you've rewritten this, you've gone back and redone the script to your liking because they did change a few things like making the blue whale, changing it from the fisherman's tavern uh, where all the locals go, the local watering hole to uh, like a retro 
bar or something like that? Yeah, it was like it was like this sort of, you know, like the like the the old established places that have become cool because they're old. Right. Right. So it was like this retro, uh, but it was like where the young people in Collinsport hang out because all of those shows have to have a hangout mm-hmm. and Dark Shadows had a hangout. So I was happy to be able to take that back to what I think the Blue Will. I think the Blue Will would be pretty much like it was back yeah. in the Frozen in time. Um, same songs on the jukebox. Yes. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> and, um, but the other things were like, uh, there's a, there's a character who is uh, the offspring of a legacy character who meets our lead early on when she arrives in Collinsport. And um, that character my original approach to the show when I was pitching it was I really wanted to do it as a streaming show. Yeah. I wanted to do 10 episodes in a season. And I, I, I looked at, um, you know, the Netflix reboot of Lost in Space. And I thought that's, you know, that they did that really well. <laughs> and um, I, I sort of saw that as the model. And when we pitched at the CW, they were so receptive and they had such a good track record with genre stuff. Yeah. And the other thing is they tend to leave things on, you know, and let them find an audience. Sure. So it seemed like a good fit. And I, I loved developing with them. They were great. Gay Hirsch and her team, they were all great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did along the way, I knew that I had to make like this, this uh, offspring of the legacy character kind of a sidekick, a wise cracking sidekick. But gotcha. my vision of that character was someone who was a little darker, maybe had their own secret, uh, wasn't just going to be there to talk about the boys, you know, that mm, sort of thing. Sure, yeah. um, and so the tonally, but I, I will say this. The version that I developed at the CW, I would have been proud to put on the air because it, it had enough of what I love about the show that it it still would have fulfilled that for me. But I'm especially excited now to be able to sort of take the shackles off, if you will, and, you know, um, uh, do something that's closer to what I want to do. Right. OK, excellent. Um a few things you mentioned, of course, the blue whale. What about the other like locations uh, in Collinsport? Of course, we have call. That's another thing I actually liked that Tim, the Tim Burton movie did was the exterior of Collinwood actually was very evocative of the uh, one from the show of the Seaview Terrace house, which I thought was he had the tower and, and the, the two wings coming off the side and stuff like are there other locations like that that you're going to pay homage to or that we're going to see recreations of in some some way um yes in okay. success um <laughs> i i i dream of putting the carry mansion on a cliff oh awesome you know and it, it's collinwood yeah. you know and it's Collinwood where it's supposed to be. And the old house is a ways away, but it also overlooks the sea. You know, um, we don't I don't think this is giving anything away, but we do not see the old house in the pilot. But there's a scene where they're walking through the estate and there's a directional sign. And one says Eagle Hill Cemetery. And oh, the old, old house. So okay. it's like over the years. 
at one point, I, I imagined there was a brief time where they were giving tours of the Collins estate. Mm-hmm. And so they had like little directional signs, but they're now all falling apart. But I did have a wink to um, the old house and the cemetery. But going forward, I want to revisit Elizabeth's mausoleum that she had specially built with the ringer in the in the casket with her. And I don't think this is a big spoiler either, but you remember Seaview? Oh, yes. Sure. Yeah. Seaview plays a part in Victoria and Burke. We're going to to buy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they drop that storyline like a hot potato. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) They built a set. They built a set. (laughs) And then. They were definitely setting something up with that. You know, you could, because they were talking, I can practically see the the sea, the captain sea vessel, you know, like they were setting some strange thing up there and then they just, yeah, they did drop it. Okay, excellent. How about you mentioned, of course, the music playing at the Blue Whale. And I love the idea that, I mean, Jonathan Fred always called Dark Shadows a dark brigadoon. And that is definitely a characteristic of these tales, these Gothic tales that they're set in these isolated places that are somehow almost detached from from the the real world like you never hear references to uh, tv shows in dark shadows or products like you know, there was one time on one of the big finish ones where they were talking about somebody was eating a bowl of lucky charm cereal or something and i said no no <laughs> It just kind of jumped out at me because it's like no reference or they reference a TV, a TV show that's on at the time. Like that Dark Shadows never really did that kind of stuff. No. Any thoughts on that? Like, is are you going to kind of maintain that feel as well? Or I absolutely want to maintain that. And I actually I remember when I first saw the Warner Brothers pilot, it opens on Halloween. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, no, no, there's no Halloween. No. Nope. They may reference Halloween. They may mention Christmas shopping. Yes. But I I think it's a fun thing to maintain that Mm -hmm. as as a fan. I think it's fun. And, you know, there were no pop culture references. There were no references to what was going on politically. It takes place in its own little magical dome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so, yeah, I definitely want to embrace that. Yeah. One thing I did like about that 2004 pilot was that as Vic, Victoria's cell phone service didn't work. Like there's no cell phone service in Collinsport. Like there's the signal just won't reach there or something, you know. Now maybe that implanted in my brain, but in my version, cell phones and Wi-Fi and all of these modern conveniences don't work on the Collins estate. Ooh, perfect. Perfect. There's so and, many reasons why and it wouldn't too. <laughs> and they're in there. There's a team that's been trying to get a Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> Ethernet. It, 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 if it works for a second, it goes out. Mm-hmm. So I want to do old fashioned storytelling. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I want secret passageways and candles and you see a phone. It's because somebody's like, oh, I can use this as a flashlight. Oh, perfect. perfect. Or I can take a picture with it. Yeah. But I don't I don't want to do texting. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe outside of Collinwood, if it makes sense. But yeah. I really want to just say, no, time is standing. Collinwood for me is a is a time portal anyway. Yeah. So I think time has a way of standing still there, even as, you know, the days pile up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's something clearly very strange time wise 
at Collinwood on the Collins estate. It's just been, there are too many things that have taken place there uh, with regard to like time travel and parallel universes, et cetera. There's totally makes sense. Um, You know, Um, what about the music uh, theme theme or any of that in terms of referencing Colbert, Bob Colbert's classic theme, or you can implement any of that or echo. (laughs) Absolutely. I, I want to find a composer who you know, doesn't have such an ego that <laughs> you can say, Hey, this is, this is, this is what dark shadows sounds like. And it, I know it's a cliche to say this, but it's true. The music is as much a character on the show as anything else. And the fact that they were doing that kind of orchestral score on a daytime soap opera mm-hmm. is pretty astonishing. And they were doing it from the very beginning. Yeah, those early episodes. And I would love to find a composer who can use that and incorporate those themes and those instruments, but also not just rely on, you know, needle drop on the old, uh, the, the same thing. But wouldn't you love to hear a really cool new version of the theme? Oh, absolutely. So would I. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. I would love that. And yeah, I mean, definitely just that capturing that sound, that very unique sound. A lot of people take it for granted now. Like you meant, you, I'm glad you mentioned that. A lot of those daytime soap operas at the time, I mean, it was like an organ playing, you know, you wouldn't, there, Dark Shadows was extremely unique from the get-go. Not only was it goth, this gothic romance show with Joan Bennett in it, you know, a movie star and these grand, you know, gothic looking sets, but you also had an orchestral score that was very, very unusual, uh, you know, much more like a, like a prime time show. And the way it was shot was more like a, uh, one of the, I had an interview with one of the cameramen who worked on the show. It's, it's, I heard it. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. It's on the blog on my website. If you go to terrorcollinwood.com in the blog, there are some very rare set photos that were sent to me by Rob Saccone, which was very thoughtful of him. His uncle was a cameraman on the show and he explained how the show was filmed. And he said it was, it was actually shot more like a film. Like they were trying to make it certain shots and, and cuts and things like that. So um, it was definitely very unusual by daytime standards uh, in the sixties for sure. Um, That reminds me that the, one of the fun things about uh, revisiting those sets mm -hmm is we can see the rest of the rooms. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can turn around. In fact, I'll tell you this because I, I think you'll you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, and it's not a spoiler, but in Collinwood, as is behind me, <laughs> if you're standing where I'm standing in the foyer, you're looking off in the direction that was always played as the way to the study. Yep. Right? Yep. Well, between the foyer and the study is another room Ooh, yeah. and it, it's affectionately known among the family as the hall of the dead oh. because it's a, it is a two-story room and the walls are covered floor to ceiling with portraits. Oh my God. I love it. I love that. Oh my God. That is amazing. Oh, you might get a kick out of it. Oh, so. I love that. The hall of the dead. It's perfect. And of course, portraits were such a huge part of dark shadows that you and will be again one of the main characters in the pilot is an artist oh perfect 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 i love it um 
speaking of, okay, a few things uh, I want to ask you here. Um, this is, you know, the, I, I have to uh, address this, of course, um, Barnabas Collins and the immortals of Dark Shadows. I'm going to just kind of roll because we have Quentin, who is immortal, and Angelique, who is an immortal witch as well. Like, how are you going to address? Of course, Barnabas is synonymous with Dark Shadows. Clearly, you know, is a a pop culture icon. Like, how are we going to address Barnabas and other characters who are immortal? Well, I have said um, in previous interviews, so this is no spoiler, but I do not believe you can do Dark Shadows without Barnabas. That said, he's not in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a spoiler for it. Okay. Okay. Um, but I do think that because he was the thing that put the show on the map um, and became, he beca- he went from this monster who wanted to torture Maggie before he killed her. I mean, he gives this long speech about all the horrible things he wants to do. And, you know, he was going to kill Burke Devlin. Then he was going to kill Julia. Then he was going to kill Willie. Then he was going to kill David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and he went from that to, he became the protector of the family. He, he you know, he had a path to redemption on the show, which was to become the protector of the family and to reclaim his humanity from being a monster to becoming, you know, to reclaiming his humanity. So I have, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I have a plan for that character that I think personally think is really cool and it's something i've wanted to do for a while but i, I i'm not going to go into particulars because that would be a spoiler okay um in terms of the other characters they are everybody's a part of the legacy of the show and the mythology of the show but a lot can happen in 50 years okay you know yeah. who's to say that quentin didn't reach a point where he just did what Dorian Gray does in the book. Yeah. What's to say? And then he reverted to a werewolf. Yeah. Okay. And as far as I know, in most mythology, werewolves aren't immortal. But this is not to say that David Selby might not pop up on the show, you know? Okay. Um, you know, it, Angelique, technically, she died on the show. And yeah, true. Yeah. And I never quite, I never quite bought Barnabas confessing his love <laughs> to her because after watching 1795, <laughs> he was a monster. She was, she was, but so was Barnabas. You know? I know, but, but <laughs> he didn't start as a, we only saw her as a monster. She came in, had her sights set on him and, you know, Sure, I'll do what I mean. She was Naomi committed suicide. Uh, Sarah ultimately died because Barnabas became a vampire, and she went out to to see him because she didn't. She you know she she thought he was dead, but she saw him and she got sick. And so, where was I going with this? <laughs> well, well, we don't. So well, we saw Angelique die. But we saw die. Angelique die. But nobody's ever dead on Dark Shadows. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you don't especially like, Angelique. I mean, it's like I know. you know every, every put, a, put a black wig on her, and you know, it's like, and then you you know you got it's how many times did she keep turning that? up you know it was like Angelique, she's back you know so um yeah i i and, I, and if if there's a storyline that makes sense 
you know, then we'll find a way to retcon it. But, but again, I'm really, I'm, I'm so more interested in the new characters and how they carry forward the mythology of the, of the old characters, the old stories. Are there other new characters you can talk about or is. I, yeah, it's, it's actually not a huge cast in the, in the beginning, but there's, no, I'm not going to. Okay. I, I, okay. I okay. Let's, let's shift gears then. Cause you mentioned Dorian Gray, which I'm glad you gave me that nice segue there. Thank you. Uh, Cause this is something that I think often gets overlooked in any version of dark shadows that has come since the TV series ended any new kind of versions of it very rarely do this and dark shadows incorporated so many classic tales into its fabric you know the dark shadows reimagined frankenstein and um you know uh, dracula and the wolfman and dr jekyll and mr hyde and rebecca and jane eyre and took so many more and incorporated all these classic tales into its own mythology and it told its own stories but it also featured many echoes of classic tales and so many archetypes of supernatural beings from uh, Gothic literature and folklore, et cetera. Thoughts on that in terms of reincarnation? Is that something you're looking at as well, or are you going to steer clear of taking classic tales and working them into the mix? Well, first I want to say that a recent series on Showtime, which was your namesake. Yes, Penny Dreadful, <laughs> the story of my life, but I was it was, I was too scary, so they wouldn't put me in it. <laughs> <laughs> but that show ha- owed so much to Dark Shadows. Yes, exactly. Yep. And I, I really enjoyed that first season of yep. the show with mm-hmm. all, and they just went for it. I mean, it was Dorian Gray and it was, oh, yeah. it was Frank and, and Frank Science Monster. Um, and that is that is part of the fabric of Dark Shadows, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. It, it's it's kind of like Barnabas. It's like, how do you do Dark Shadows without doing that? Now, we're not going to rip things off. We're going to pay homage. To exactly. Yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Just yes. to be clear. Yeah. But um, some of the things that that I've thought about, and I think I could talk about this a little bit uh, without giving anything away is. I'm fascinated by the 1920s when there were two things happening simultaneously. One was the spiritualism movement mm-hmm. where it was fashionable to hold seances and try to contact the dead. And then there you had Houdini who was trying to debunk the false mediums. And yeah. um, are they called media? A group what? of mediums? Mediums, media. <laughs> <laughs> are they called media? I don't know. They um, are now. That's <laughs> Um, so, uh, I've always been interested in that. And I always thought that was one of the more fascinating parts about Houdini's life was that, you know, he was dedicated to exposing these frauds. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that was going on in the twenties was the discovery of the tomb of King Tut. Yes. I was hoping you would say this. (laughs) And then suddenly all this Egyptian stuff is in fashion and home decor. And, you know, it, it was like this thing that just took off and was crazy. And I would love to tell a story where those two things intersect because who's to say there wasn't a wealthy. And the other thing about the show is this. Yes, there is a Collins family tree. It's all over the internet, but every family has the people that they either disowned (laughs) or 
at a period of time they never talked about or they didn't know even existed. So there are going to be new members of the Collins family. And if you want to call it a parallel universe, I'm fine with that. (laughs) But there's one who went on one of those expeditions and comes back with something that they weren't supposed to take. Another thing I would like to do is, uh, you know, I, I love the werewolves. Yeah. But I would like to do cat people. Ooh, Val Luton. Nice. <laughs> I would like to do, you know, the the mysterious woman from Serbia or wherever, oh, you know, perfect. Perfect. who uh, whenever she is aroused, whether <laughs> sexually or through passion or anger or whatever, transforms into and and to think what we can do with special effects now. Oh, totally. That's yeah. affordable. And, you know, I, I look at some of the stuff that's being done on TV and it just blows me away. Yeah. yeah. So those, um, and then, you know, the other thing about it is we're 55 years since the show went off the air. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, there's more to draw from in that time period as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just start. Uh, couple of things for anybody who hasn't seen a Val Luton movie, please go do yourself a favor and, and watch a Val Luton movie. Uh, Cat people is excellent. I walked with a zombie body mm. snatcher, a really strange, eerie, uh, unusual films. And they're, you know, contemporaries of the, of the universal horror films were a very different feel to them and absolutely really good call out there. And I love the, the whole spiritualism uh, movement in the twenties, but also absolutely right. Nailed it with the, with the Egyptian uh, and the fascination with, with Egyptian culture. And one thing I've always, I've said this several times on the show, you know, uh, lot number 249 by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I was always kind of surprised that Dan Curtis wouldn't go there with a mummy. And uh, that's something I've kind of always thought could work if done correctly in dark shadows, whether that's what you're hinting at. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask for confirmation, but that is cool. Uh, but there are so many other strange tales out there. I mean, I've had guests on the show who've, you know, called out the woman in black and the, the haunting of Hill house and uh, the fall of the house of Usher, all these different uh, tales that, because the writers on dark shadows always say, Oh, we ran out of ideas. And Dan Curtis was like, Oh, we ran out of ideas. And I said, well, I don't, I think they were burned out, you know. I think they ran out of steam. steam is what, is I think what, they ran out of steam. Yeah, definitely. Because they could they could have definitely pulled from from more of that. And uh, Penny Dreadful, you mentioned, you know, the show. I talked about this before, too. You know, um, I know a lot of times Dark Shadows fans will fantasize about like happy endings for the characters. I don't. Dark Shadows very rarely ha- had happy endings. Very rarely, and like, oh, Adam went and got his scars removed and lived a, a normal. And no, no, he's he's the Frankenstein monster. That's not how it ends up. We want the Frankenstein monster to find happiness and acceptance, but I think it would be more like what we saw with uh, with the character in Penny Dreadful. It's like he's, I think, uh, Rich Hanley when he was on the show called him venomous. It's like that's probably where it would end up. I would think. But yeah, yeah, no no happy endings. (laughs) (laughs) It's rare. I once in a while you get you get one here and there, but 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 rare. Okay. Um, so you mentioned your your favorite storyline is 1795. Who's your who's your favorite character? Who are your favorite characters and favorite actors from Dark Shadows? Well, I could go on and on and on, (laughs) but I have to just whittle it down to me, the heart and soul of the show 
is Barnabas and Julia. Mm -hmm. Okay. They are the Nick and Nora Charles of Collinsport. They are the is Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, I love and it. <laughs> they, that to me, and and rewatching the the storyline, which like last night. Spoiler alert: If you haven't watched the Barnabas <laughs> origin story, last night I watched the episode where um, Barnabas and Julia kill Dave Woodard, and I'm like. This is the most twisted relationship. Really is. And, I mean, Julia, you know, in in my in, in in the presentation when I talk about this show, I, one of the things that fascinates me about Dark Shadows is uh, it was a theme that ran through the original, and it's something that I want to. It just fascinates me, and it's the questions: What makes humans monsters, and monsters human? Mm -hmm. And to me, Barnabas was the monster who gains his humanity as time goes along. Julia is, is she's not a supernatural creature, but she's kind of a monster in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, totally. she will, yeah. because of her attraction to Barnabas and her zeal for science and to cover her own trail, she's, she, I mean, she's reluctant and Grayson plays the hell out of it. And with the, you know, the conflict and everything with the internal conflict, but it's really dark that they go through with it and they kill. And then the next day when she's told that Dave Woodard died, I mean, she puts on this performance for Burke and Vicky, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and that whole unrequited love and Barnabas was so cruel to her in the beginning when she says, Oh, I, I made up a lie. I told Dave Woodard, I was attracted to you. And you know, that's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> and you see it on her face. Yeah. Um, but uh, that just reminds me of total tangent here. But I, I never understood. I'm going to talk about the Burton movie for a second. I never really understood who the audience was supposed to be for that. Your guess is as good as mine. With that I know they said that it was the show they remembered. And I was like, well, they weren't watching the same show I was. <laughs> but it would be so it, it would be easy to make a clever parody of Dark Shadows where, you know, people do entire scenes talking to the other person's back, for example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or one of my favorites, which is Grayson Hall was the master of glove acting. Yes. <laughs> she was constantly coming into a scene and she would spend the entire scene taking off her gloves and then tugging on them and snapping them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's true. <laughs> with the least provocation, you just have Barnabas grab Julia by the throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she spends the rest of the scene, you know, doing this. Yeah. It would be so easy to make a parody of the show. Right. You know, without whatever that was they did. But that was a complete tangent that I just went down. But mm. I, I you know, but I also love I love the human characters on the show as well, like um, Catherine Lee Scott as Maggie. And of course, she was Josette was this tragic figure. She was typically a human. I think we saw her in a dream sequence as a vampire, but she was and I've, I've heard Catherine say that she's always thought that uh, the character was the moral center of the show. Yeah. In a way, she was even more so than Victoria, if for no other reason truly then she outlasted and she was there almost to the to the to the end and uh carolyn the the amazing nancy barrett oh, you know god yeah carolyn yeah. she gave some great performances in all the different characters oh, that she played yeah she was and, heart, heartbreaking when in the 1995 sequence oh. as as you know the mad carolyn who's 
beneath the surface, there's still the old Carolyn is still there, but it's so sad to see that. Yeah, definitely. It was it, plus that I love that sequence and I wish it had been a little longer, but I loved Collinwood and Ruins. I just yeah. thought that was, and, and they really went for it too. It was really. Oh good. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, and of course, you know, then you've got Thayer David and Laura Parker and, and, and oh my God, one of my other all-time absolute favorites is um, Louis Edmonds. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, <laughs> and, and I had, I, I, I will, I, complete geek confession. I have tried so hard to imitate that voice <laughs> and I cannot do it. I, and so he's inimitable as far as I'm the inimitable Louis Edmonds. Awesome. It's, he is, he is from the pot, from the very first episode on anytime he's in the show, I am completely on board. Yeah. And I love hearing the stories that, uh, you know, th- they've said that they, everybody loved working with him. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for some of those scenes where they were trying not to laugh. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, it just seems like such. But then like he was such... glad to Joshua and your heart breaks for this man. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. But I, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. I mean, I, I, I would just like to just name all of them. There, there are a few who I wasn't crazy about, but um, <laughs> they weren't very much. So. Yeah. Okay. But for, for the core characters and the people who we look at as, you know, the crucial heart and soul of Dark Shadows, it's, I, I, I think it was an amazing cast. Awesome. What can fans do to kind of support this, to make this happen? Is there, you know, I've complained about how Dark Shadows doesn't get the proper nods sometimes in other media or things like, you know, Comic-Con and things like that, where it's, you know, maybe lucky if we get a, a, a nod to it here and there, but is there something fans can do to kind of put this out there more to express their enthusiasm for it? Before I answer that, I want to, there's one thing I did want to mention. You were talking about, you know, yeah. Dark Shadows and other shows, you know, references yeah. to Dark Shadows or make yeah. pretty good pop culture. I have tried. Uh-huh. From my first show forward, I tried to work in uh, Kevin and Paul watching Dark Shadows on The Wonder Years. Oh, that would have been so For whatever reason, it always got cut out, even though it was completely period appropriate because the show started in 1968. Mm -hmm. uh, The Wonder Years started in 1968. And of course, they would be sitting in the basement watching Dark Shadows on the black and white TV. But for whatever reason, I could never get that into the show. Uh, Was Um, it a rights thing like that they'd have to? No, it was for whatever reason, when the executive producer show runner would take his final pass that stuff would just disappear and uh, I, I he thought it was too geeky or i don't know uh, but or maybe he just didn't know dark shadows and didn't understand but i don't know. um i didn't fight for it because i was a baby writer and it was my first job but i've never told anybody this so i'm gonna give you an excuse <laughs> this is truly geeky when i was on revenge i was on the first two seasons of the abc series revenge which by the way was the count of monte cristo which was by the way the inspiration for the whole burke devlin dark uh, dark shadow story yep. and there are so many similar and now i didn't create revenge my friend mike kelly did and i thought he did a brilliant job with it but there were so many parallels to dark shadows in revenge and i would periodically drop in a little Dark Shadows breadcrumb. Little things like um, 
I named it, we had this villain character in season two and Mike said, he should just have one name. He shouldn't, ha- he shouldn't be like such and such. So-and-so he seems one name. And I said, Trask, let's call him oh, Trask. I love it. <laughs> and he became Trask. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and then um, I have a line in an episode where one of the town boys, Declan, uh, it comes to he, he's an unannounced guest at the anniversary party of the Graysons, Victoria and Conrad Grayson. Uh-huh. And this oh. is the prize to Victoria. And she says, oh, well, I'll have Mrs. Johnson set an extra plate. Oh, yay. <laughs> and then I named another character. This was just we had to have a last name for a, a political politician character. And so I, I said, let's call him Stoddard. And oh. so he became something. Wherever I could, I tried to put little winks and I, I, I don't think anybody ever picked up on it. So I'm telling you so that someday somebody can watch Revenge and know that there was a Dark Shadows fan working on the show. Awesome. You heard it here, folks. If you watch Revenge, you, you'll know it is a fellow fan throwing that in there for you as a as a nod to the show. Awesome. Um, but, but to answer your question, um, all I can say is I think what fans can do is, is keep the faith and please give me the benefit of the doubt. Um, It's a little disheartening to see people commenting that they, you know, they wouldn't give the show a new chance. Although I agree with you, I think that they will ultimately, but I want fans. uh, I know a lot of fans are genuinely excited. Like you seem to be, which is great um, about the prospect of bringing this back. And I just want to say, I don't know that there's, I, I don't know that there's any letter writing campaign or anything like that to start yet. But if there is, I'll let you know. Um, But I just want to reassure people that I just want to make a show that I'd want to watch, even if I weren't working on it. Yeah. If somebody else did a revival of Dark Shadows, I would want to watch it. So I just I want to do the version that I want to see as a fan of the original show. That's what I want to do. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Look, folks, Star Trek The Next Generation, when it first came out, some people groused about that too, but I think it stood on its own while still honoring the original series. And if, as Mark is saying, you know, that this is um, true to to the original series, and clearly Mark is a hardcore, passionate fan of the original series, this is in the right hands, you know? So uh, I sincerely hope that this will go forward and that we will see new dark shadows. And at the very, even if you're still, you know, cross your arms, I refuse. Look, if this is, if this comes out, this means good things for the original dark shadows too. We get more dark shadows merchandise, more attention put on the original dark shadows as well. Um, I complained many times that we, we need more dark shadows merchandise out there. You know, um, it's, it would be cool to see more things happening with the original dark shadows as well. And reincarnation can serve to help the original show too, uh, in many respects, you know, so there, there's a lot of good stuff that can come from that. I sincerely doubt you're going, I know a lot of people feel burned by the, by the Burton movie, you know, and because Burton and Depp were going all over the place for years saying they're big fans of the original show. I remember reading an article with Tim Burton. He said that show pounded a nail into my brain. And I was like, Oh, he's like really into it. You know, I guess it did. Damage. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly, (laughs) clearly. Um, I don't think it was only them. I think it was uh, Ansel was saying that there was, I forgot the producer over at Warner brothers that, 
was pushing more for a comedic take and then Seth Graham Smith's script rewrite and all that. But although Burton is such a powerful figure and depth too in Hollywood that I would think that they could push back on that if they cared, I guess. I, I don't know. Well, I, you know, and now I've read that he's doing this Adams family thing. Yes. Yeah. And when I look back at dark shadows and another of my favorites from my childhood, Planet of the Apes. Remember oh, Tim? Yeah. Oh, he, sadly, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Burton, do your thing, but stay out of my childhood. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, he was my favorite. I mean, in the in the 90s, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s and uh, like Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas, Edward Scissorhands, like Batman. I love the original Batman and Batman Returns. Ed Wood. Oh, all of that stuff was fantastic. I even loved Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow. Good. Mars Attacks is genius. I freaking love it Mars breaks Attacks. All the rules. <laughs> yes. Breaks every rule, yes. and yet you. It's it's genius. It really it is it is. A lot of people like didn't like it, but I thought I agree. I think it was it was great. I mean, the humans are stupid, and the aliens are. <laughs> And you give a big speech and then you get vaporized anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I want to, I do want to share one thing, mm-hmm. um, which is just coincidentally today. And I did share this on social media. I'm, I'm trying to get better about social media, but I, I have a Google alert set for all things dark shadows. And this morning there's a review in the Sydney morning Herald of a show called Firebite, which I'm not familiar with, but apparently it's a vampire show set in Australia. Okay. And the critic wrote in this review, it was talking about um, mythology and these shows that have deep mythology, and then wrote in the review, and I quote, the best genre shows of all time, Twin Peaks and Dark Shadows were both built on mountains of the stuff. And by the stuff, he means mythology. Great. And I thought... Well, that's cool. I'm doing uh, I'm going to do uh, terror at Collinwood today. And it's it just come out, you know, in the in the zeitgeist in the world. It's the, one of the best genre shows of all time. Yes. It, uh, and if indeed it is for sure. Uh, awesome. And you mentioned social media real quick. I love that you do the quotable dark shadows. Uh, <laughs> Mark posts these uh, images of dark shadows characters and just has a quote from the character. Today, you actually did one Angelique, the, the original crazy ex-girlfriend with this, in like Lara Parker as Angelique with this like wild-eyed glare, like just like, whoa. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that picture before too. I've seen like from that photo shoot, but that specific one, I'm like, that is Awesome. Perfect choice. (laughs) And a lot of time on Google images. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Super, super fun. Oh my God. I started those. I I did those on Facebook years ago. And then I just thought, you know, as I'm still trying to get this show going and trying to get dark shadows back out there, I thought I'm, I'm going to revive that because they're fun to do too. I mean, cause I'm, I'm rewatching the show again. I'm like I said, I'm up to spoiler alert. They killed Dave Woodard. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's like almost every episode, there's just some great line. Yeah. There's, you know, it was like, oh, and it, it probably would only work on Dark Shadows. Yeah. The writers on the show are just some, some of them are playwrights. Very well, like Sam Hall was super witty, uh, yeah. you know, and then I think 1897, they were really firing and all. It was Sam Hall, Violet Wells, and um, oh God, uh, Gordon I, I, Russell, I, I, Gordon I, I, Russell, Gordon Russell. Oh my God. Gordon uh, Russell. 
Yes. Joe Caldwell and Ron Sproul. They, were, were they still there? Uh, no, uh, Joe Caldwell came back. Like he was there. He wrote some of the best Barnabas episodes during yeah, the, yeah. Uh, and then he came back during parallel time. Joe right. Caldwell, uh, he wrote some great episodes there too. Uh, Sproul left during the uh, Adam storyline toward the end of that as it was going into the werewolf and quentin he left toward the end of the ad because sam hall was pushing more for like really crazy stuff like full-on supernatural sprout was trying to kind of he felt a responsibility to the audience to recap do recap and stuff like that and i think sam was more like they missed an episode tough you know it's like we gotta yeah you know, so. well, that's the soap thing that i've noticed like in the earlier episodes too there is a lot of repetition you right know? And, and as much as i love the whole uh barnabas you know jonathan frid when he comes on the scene he's like that charles adams character and yeah. you know in those those bespoke neo-edwardian suits with those hands and yeah. the way he plays it um it, it it's I, I just derailed again <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the recap stuff. No, no, with the recap. Thank you. Um, I'm so invested in all of that, and then to see how they they realized the character had caught on, and they were going to have to humanize him, mm-hmm. and how they begin to layer that in, and watching it. But then there's as much as I love that when they introduce Sarah and everything. There's a lot of repetition in there. A lot of David and Sarah doing what feels like the same scene over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, and you know, Sarah, who just won't tell anybody anything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. um, but there's a lot of, I've noticed, you know, just from a writing standpoint, I go, well, of course they did that because, you know, this was on five days a week. Sure. But then they get away from that. Yeah. And it's extraordinary to begin with that they did this show five days a week without any reruns. Mm-hmm. And only, I think, five preemptions the entire time mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that's, so, yeah. it's extraordinary. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I mean, I can't imagine just having to write that much every day, you know, and just learn a new script every day and come in and do a new okay. show. And it was just remarkable that they were actually able to do that and special effects when they got into to ghosts and, you know, uh, by Bill Baird. Yeah, the bat, the bat by Bill Baird, you know, uh, the the hand of Count Potofi coming at you or the head of Judah Zachary and all these, you know, crazy things. They don't, the headless body of Judah Zachary. Oh, so many fun things. Um, I that when they got into even just the simple stuff, like uh, Laura Parker talking to herself, you know, as yeah. uh, is, was it Alexis and, and Angelique in parallel time. Yeah. Yeah. And also with, uh, with Grayson, Grayson Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last, okay, I'm going to ask you one. Well, I, oh, no, I'm not. I, I could keep asking you a million questions. Oh, um, what? Okay, okay. I've asked this to, to I'm trying to, to get, um, I keep forgetting to do it, but I'm trying, I'm taking a poll of Dark Shadows fans. Nicholas Blair, warlock or demon? Uh, yeah, I, I remember you asking this before. I've asked a bunch of people this. I, 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 I forgot, I dropped it, but I, then I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Mark about that. I, can he be both? A lot of people have said that. A few people have responded to that. Yeah. I mean, he had such a connection with the underworld. Sure. <laughs> um, but maybe he was a demon mm-hmm. who presented as a warlock in okay. the mortal world. Okay. Ooh, I like that. 
I like that. So when he's when he's there, he's he's a demon. But when he's here, he's that sartorial gentleman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well groomed facial hair. Awesome. Awesome. I, that's great. As a warlock. Yes. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me uh, today to talk about Dark Shadows reincarnation. I am twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for this show to happen. Uh, and I am uh, looking forward to seeing uh, your your vision uh, on screen uh, sometime soon. So thank you again. And everyone, can people follow you on social media? They can follow me. Yes, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Okay. It's the, the best place. My, my Facebook, I mostly keep personal. Okay. So, but I'm on Instagram. Uh, I think it's Mark B. Perry TV. You can find me. Okay, wonderful. So be sure to follow Mark and uh, also be sure to subscribe to this podcast, to Terror at Collinwood. Be sure to rate, review. Uh, I am excited to see the numbers growing there with the subscription. So please keep on subscribing. That does help the podcast to grow uh, and show up in recommendations and searches so that fellow Dark Shadows fans can find the podcasts, fellow classic horror fans can find the podcast. I'm super thankful to the Classic Horror Club podcast for mentioning uh, Tara at Collinwood in uh, one of their recent episodes. It is an awesome podcast. So please be sure to check out the Classic Horror Club podcast. And with that said, take scare. So just a quick addendum here. After Mark and I finished the episode, we spoke for another like half hour or so. And he thought of several things that he wanted to bring up during the show that we didn't get to. So I will definitely have Mark back for a future episode. You can count on that for sure. Uh, as we head toward Dark Shadows Reincarnation's inevitable premiere, uh, I will definitely have Mark back to talk about that. But just to tease and tantalize you a little bit, uh, he talked about diversity in the new Dark Shadows reincarnation uh, and having more diversity in the show. Uh, and uh, I look forward to hearing him talk about that. And he also talked about his plans for sort of the overall uh, story and exploring various time periods of the Collins family and, and getting glimpses into uh, you know things we, we never saw before, eras we never saw before. So that sounds exciting too. I definitely look forward to hearing more about that. So I look forward to having Mark back on the show. And for as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly dissipated, for there will always be Terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production.